Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. Hey, happy Father's Day, Christ Church. Yeah. I'm I'm clapping for myself, so that feels weird. But I'm I'm a dad now, three years running. (laughs) We're just praying that my second son makes it to adulthood. (laughs) That's the goal. He has been living for two years, and he has broken two arms. (laughs) CYS has got me on, like, I'm on that number, right? They're like, okay, you're one of the... uh." What does he do at home? It's like, it's not me. He's a wild man. He's a wild man. So, yes, uh, I'll I'll let you guys know, you know, we we interrupted the the Philippians series to have a Father's Day sermon. And so this is very much a Father's Day sermon. Something similar to what you might hear at Man Up, which was this last Saturday and was awesome. Uh, I hope some of you guys got something out of that. that. Yeah. uh, Loved Man Up. And um, so this is going to be kind of like that. If you're not a father, though, there is something for you. Don't tune out. Uh, George McDonald, who was one of C.S. Lewis's heroes, he said once that he thought that fatherhood was at the center of the universe. I think that's kind of an interesting idea to mull around in your mind. I think part of what he meant is that every, every one of us has to deal with a father. And we were all fathered by somebody. And ultimately... Part of what it means to live is to come to grips with your heavenly father. And so as we're talking about fatherhood, we are ultimately talking about the father. When we're talking about the Bible and fatherhood, we're talking about our heavenly father. So when we're talking about fatherhood, there's something for us to learn about who God is, what kind of world we live in, and where we fit in that. So there's going to be something for you. But I also got something else for you. I don't know if you got these when you walked in. There's like a little fill-in-the-blank type thing. Um, I'm testing this out. I would love for you to do it with me and give me your feedback. Maybe this is work. Maybe this is good. Maybe it's distracting, but I'd love to know what you think. It's something my wife uh, loves to use when she teaches, so I'm going to give it a whirl. Um, so check that out. Let's pray. Let's get into our passage. Father God, I just thank you so much for your word, Lord. Um, thank you so much for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, I thank you so much that we don't just have to deal with the tradition that comes from our parents, and, and that's just what we got, you know? We, we have all the things that our parents teach us, but we also have your word, which is the guide. It is the inspired word that you gave us, and it's something, it's the litmus test for all other words, and so we thank you for it. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, so I gotta, I gotta be honest, as I was preparing this sermon, I kind of felt like a little outclassed because I, I haven't been a dad very long, right? So I don't have a lot of experience with this. And, you know, part of me is like, man, Doug should get up here and speak or, you know, someone else. But, um, but I'm, I'm gonna do this and I'll just tell you kind of my methodology today. I'm really gonna rely on the word of God because I don't have a lot of experience to give on this. 
I haven't, I haven't finished my course. I'm, in, I'm at the beginning of it. So I'm really gonna rely on the word of God and I hope that, that you have something for you despite the messenger, so to speak. All right, so let's look at our passage. It is, I, now, I was reading this and I, I'll be honest with you, I did not get past the first sentence. We're gonna be looking at that first sentence today. Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 and 15. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Okay, one of the things that just screams at you in that first sentence, those first two verses, is that Paul is using wordplay. When you're, when you're reading it in the Greek, it just pops out at you. He's using wordplay. The word family here is the word patria in the Greek. That's the word he chooses. He chooses the word patria, which is a derivative word derived from the word pater, which is also used in this passage. That's the word used for, fr- for father. So this passage reads, for this reason, I kneel before the pater from whom every patria in heaven and on earth derives its name. Your first fill in the blank. In our passage, Paul is using wordplay. He's using wordplay. And the concept is this. It's almost pan-human. In almost every single culture around the world, there is a connection between the family and the father and the father's name. In our country, traditionally, and and in, in most of the Western world, the family carries the last name of the father. Right, so when I got married, my wife dropped Kostilnik, she gained Glover, and my kids have Glover, and, that, and so there's a connection between my family and my last name. In the first century, that wasn't the case for Jews, Greeks, or Romans. In their culture, they used something, uh, a patronym. A patronym is essentially, you are the son of X. Okay, and this play, played lots of roles in society. One of the most common ones is, let's say we were in a room with a bunch of guys named Simon. All right, so you got a bunch of Simons. How do you differentiate between the Simons? Well, especially in mixed company where some people knew, the, uh, where they, you knew each other, some people didn't know, know each other, you would use the patronym. You'd use the father's name. So you'd have Simon, son of John and Simon, son of Jonah, and Simon, son of Josh. I don't know why they're all J's. Simon, son of uh, Bill. There you go. That's not a J. So you got all these Simons, and, and they're delineated by their father's name. Paul is drawing our attention to this. He's using this wordplay to draw our attention to that point because he's making a statement about fatherhood. What he's saying, and this is your next fill in the blank, that all of these, every individual fathered family, or you might write fatherhood, derives its name ultimately from the father. Every individual fathered family, these patrias, they derive their name from the father. When I talk about marriage, Uh, I often say that marriage was God's idea, and this is true. But fatherhood was not just God's idea. Fatherhood is a part of who he is. You see the difference? God is father. What What do we pray today? 
our Father who art in heaven. And so in a very real way, when you became a father, when you became a father, you took on to yourself, to your children, for your children, one of God's names. Isn't that crazy? When, when, when I became dad, when Nathan Glover became dad, I stopped just standing like I, I, for myself, right? I became a representative to my children of who God is. That's an incredible privilege. But not only that, not only that, by becoming a father, I was given an opportunity. I was given an opportunity to experience and even participate in who and what God is in a small way. I got to be like him in a very special way to my kids. That is a tremendous privilege and it's a huge responsibility. Tremendous privilege and a huge responsibility. I want to talk just briefly, just a little sidebar, to all the people not a father in the room. So particularly if, uh, let's, actually let's start with uh, the guys. So all guys, father is not a name that you have. Okay, I'm talking to you. Don't tune out. Some of you will become fathers, some of you might not. Jesus never fathered anyone biologically. Paul never fathered anyone biologically. One of, some of my heroes, Thomas Aquinas never fathered anyone biologically. C.S. Lewis never fathered anyone biologically. But they had hundreds and thousands of spiritual children. All of us in this room are the spiritual children of Paul and Jesus, certainly. There are over 20 million children growing up in America without their father in their home. To my knowledge, that doesn't include orphans, and it doesn't include people whose fathers are physically present, but not mentally, spiritually, or emotionally present, much less leading. There is a massive need for spiritual fathers in our country today. And if you are a male and in this room, somebody thinks you're mature enough to be here, not downstairs with the little guys. So I'll tell you this, don't tune out. We're gonna talk right now or in, in a moment about what that privilege and responsibility entails from God's word. Don't tune out because that is your privilege and responsibility too, to somebody in your life, to be a spiritual father. And ladies, fatherhood is under assault in our nation and in our world. I think there's a very easy reason why the enemy would want to target this, because it is God's name. If the enemy can get us as a culture to hate fatherhood, it's only like a half step forward to hate the father. If he can get us to hate the idea of father, it's not hard to hate the father. And so my challenge to you ladies is this today, revere fatherhood in your heart. The concept, I don't know what your father was like, but revere in your heart what the Bible says about fatherhood in your heart. And tell the enemy, no, not today. Not today, Satan. <laughs> no. You're not, I will not hate my father, and I will not hate what a father is and what that means. All right, that's the sidebar. 
Let's, let's talk about fatherhood. Now again, I'm gonna be leaning on scripture here heavily because I don't have a lot of experience. So here we are. Next fill in the blank. We're gonna talk about four ways, four ways we mimic or bear the name of our heavenly father as earthly fathers. Four ways we mimic, you could say like slash, bear the name, because these are kind of synonyms, bear the name of our heavenly father as earthly fathers. And the first way, this is letter A, by disciplining our children towards righteousness. By disciplining our children towards righteousness. Read with me Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. It says this, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Our heavenly father disciplines us. If we are going to bear the name, right? Our, the name father is derived from the father, as Paul says. So if we're gonna bear that name well, we must discipline our children as the father does to us. And he doesn't do it because he's angry with us. He's mad at us or wants to like beat us up. He disciplines us, as it says, because he loves us. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them, right? This is simply saying that as the father disciplines us, we are to discipline our children. Ephesians 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I like this word training because like in anything that we ever teach our kids, so let's say I'm, I'm trying to teach him, uh, my son to be a, a good basketball player. So I have in my mind the idea of what makes a basketball player good. Maybe I have the idea of a person like Michael Jordan, or I have a concept that I was taught like beef, right? Balance, eyes, elbow, follow through. I've got this concept of what me, what my son is shooting for, and I'm trying to help him get there. In the same way, we have a concept in our mind of what the perfect person is like. His name is Jesus Christ. And we train our children with that in mind to become like him, to take on his priorities and his principles. That's what we're doing. We're training up the child in the way he should go. That is what our discipline is focused on so that they become like the perfect human who is Jesus. But we can go overboard. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So we can go overboard. We can discipline to the point of exasperating them, which we want to avoid. We want to keep training them. The way my father always put it, he said, Nate, I'm not trying to beat you up, <laughs> but build you up. How many times have you heard that? <laughs> you ever been a man up here like seven times? It's hilarious. Uh, but he doesn't want to beat us up. He wants to build us up. I think the heart behind discipline is most powerfully stated in Proverbs chapter four, though. Read this with me. This is a father speaking to his sons. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son of my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. 
Love her and she will watch over you. Did you read that last part? Love her and she will watch over you. I think this is the heart behind discipline. That if we discipline our children, they will become wise and it will protect them when they're older. I think that's the heart behind the father's discipline. He doesn't want us to be children forever, but to become adults spiritually so that we can be protected in life. Our second thing, letter B, we can mimic our father by delighting in our children. We can mimic our father by delighting on our children. Psalm 149.4 says, For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. When God made humanity, he wasn't just like, we're like all on a conveyor belt and he wants to make sure we've got all the requisite parts and we sort of like have a good time. He wants to delight. He delights in us. He wants us to succeed because he enjoys watching our, our success. That's why he crowns us with victory. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from him. This is a reward to be a father. This is the privilege. We get in a very, uh, very short, amazing way to do in small letters what God does for all things in capital letters. This is amazing. It's, a, it's such a beautiful privilege, and it's something we get to participate in. It is a reward. It's a heritage from him. Something that a lot of uh, parents I respect say to me, they say, enjoy it because it's short. It's not going to last forever. Take advantage of all the moments to, d- to do this. It is a heritage, a reward from the Lord. Letter C. We get the opportunity to mimic God in loving unselfishly. We mimic God by loving unselfishly. Romans eleven thirty four through 36 says this, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might, that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever, amen. What's the point here? The point is, we have nothing to offer back to God that isn't already his. Every action God takes to us, all of his love is unselfish. We've got nothing to offer back to him. But in fatherhood, the role is suddenly reversed because my kids don't really have much to offer me. If... Uh, in, in fatherhood, we build the release. Look at Genesis 2.24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. You ever heard the term ROI, return on investment? Okay, so if I'm thinking about kids for a second, I invest a massive amount of time, a massive amount of money, and a massive amount of energy into raising these children. And generally speaking, they never give that investment back right? I give, I give, I give. And like, I'll tell you this, I didn't do that for my dad. There has not been nearly the return of investment from me to my dad compared to what he invested in me. Nowhere close. But this is an opportunity to be like God for a moment, to give and give and give and to love doing it, not expecting anything in return. Doug, you know, the Manguses, 
I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw it, but they're going like hotcakes, all right? Faster even. They've had three weddings in 10 months. So if you're out there, man, there's not a lot of Menguses left. So, so get them while you can, right? Like, it, it's, 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 well, good job, Menguses. Anyway, they're going fast. But I'll tell you this, I bet you, you know, as Doug's looking at his kids, God has given so much to Doug and Sarah through his kids. But I imagine as they're going out, they're not like, hey, Dad, I'm going to start, you know, making payments back to you for, for 18 years of investment, right? I don't think that's happening to Doug. I mean, is it? I know where he's at. No, I didn't think so, right? So that's not how that works. But it's an opportunity. It's an amazing privilege to get to do this because we get to see with the Father's eyes for a little bit in a small way. We get to be like him and bear that name. Letter B, last one. That's his letter D. I'm dyslexic. I saw it the other way. You know how it goes. Letter D. (laughs) We mimic the Father by forgiving unconditionally. In the story of the prodigal son, that guy forgives unconditionally. That father spent his entire life investing and preparing an inheritance for his boys in that parable. A last gift to them after he dies. And his son comes to him and says, I wish you were dead now. Like, give me my money. And then he goes out and he just throws it in the toilet. Just blows all of the investment that his father has worked tirelessly for years to create for him. And then, when that kid is broke, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, in every way, broken, out of money and out of everything else, this is what he does, Luke 15, 20. So he got up and went to his father. And look what the father does. (laughs) I can't. I hope I get this way. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. You know, when you get to be in a place a long time, you have a lot of conversations. I've been here at the church a long time, and I've had had the privilege of getting to pray with some families who've loved their children. They've discipled them towards righteousness. They've disciplined them towards righteousness. They've loved unselfishly. They've delighted in their children, but their children are not walking with Jesus. And they pray, and they pray, and they pray. You know, I think about the father in this situation. This this passage teaches us a lot of things. One of the things it teaches us is that you could be a perfect parent, but your kids got to make the decisions on their own. The father makes no mistakes. The father in the story is God. He makes no mistakes, but his kids still rejected him. So there's no guarantees with this stuff. But I think about 
the Father. And the fact that it says that while he was still a long way off, he saw him. I wonder how that happened. Part of me thinks he's praying for his kid and he's looking down that road. He's saying, oh God, this is the prayer I'd say. God, let my son live long enough to come home. Let him live long enough to repent and turn around. And then when he sees him, he runs. It's the only part of scripture where God is ever described as running. And he runs. He wraps his arms around his kid. He's not sitting there like, what happened to the money? Hey, we need to talk about this. You know, you made some mistakes here. He's like, no lectures. He's just hugs him, puts the ring on his finger, kills the fatted calf, throws a party, because in his words, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. And that is the human story. And God came running for us. This is what it means to bear the name of the Father. All fatherhood is derived from the Father. And if we're going to bear that name well, guys, this is what it looks like as far as I can tell. Again, I haven't done this. (laughs) I haven't done this yet. I'm not Doug Mangus, and I'm not Ed Glover, and I'm not John Guest, but I've still got to run my race. So I'm going to have David Sag come up here real quick. David Sag, come on up. And he's going to play a song for us. And the song goes like this. He is exalted, the king is exalted on high, and I will praise him. He is exalted, forever exalted, and I will praise his name. Fathers, we bear that name. And the best way that we can praise it each and every day is by trying to live up to it. My dad always says there's no perfect fathers, but there are priority dads. These are not all of the ways we can mimic the Father, but here's a few of them. And as we sing this song, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sing it and commit to the Lord that I will praise his name by being the best father I can be, by representing him well to my kids as best as I know how. And whether you haven't started that journey or you're a beginner like me or you're in the middle of it or you're at the end or maybe you're like the prodigal father who's just praying that his kid comes home, I invite you to sing with me We're going to praise his name. We're going to praise his name with the way that we hold that name. The way that we carry that name. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd be with us as we praise your name. As we exalt your name in the way that we live our lives to our children. So as David sings, Lord, be honored and glorified. But Lord, I pray that you be glorified by the commitment that we're making. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord Jesus, as we leave this place, whether we're a father or a mother or whatever we are, we represent you in this world. 
And I pray that we would do it well. Every family derives its name from the Father. Lord, may we be families that do that well. We all have an option. We can do it well. We can do it poorly. But Lord, I pray that when, at the end of all things, when we look at you face to face, and we look at the way that we were a father, and that we were a mother, and that we were a son, that at the end of it, Lord, you say to us, I was honored by that. I was exalted in that. And you praised my name. In Jesus' name, amen.